What's happening, Roto Bonners? How's it going out there? Pete Davidson here on a waiver wire Tuesday. Um, this is going to be a short podcast. I have a small window to record here while the jackhammering is stopped outside. I've been told I have at least 30 minutes. So we have at least 30 minutes to discuss this. I may go a little longer if the sound doesn't start, uh, but I'm trying to get this thing done in about 30 minutes. Um, and hopefully the really bad part of the construction is uh, going to be over soon. They're telling me that they're close to being done with the really loud stuff. So <sighs> anyway, um, so obviously it's a very eventful day. We've got the first COVID outbreak with the Titans. I don't know much about it other than some players and some coaching staff have it, and they're going to be shut down to the weekend. Look, I mean, I'm not going to tell you guys what you already know. Um, we're going to stay positive here because um, there's really no reason not to. Um, but I use that intro music just to send the message that, you know, this is a make love, not take love kind of time. Um, there's no reason to go spewing a bunch of ugliness about the NFL on Twitter. I mean, look, we know the NFL is an awful organization. We just love football, right? Or maybe that's just me. Um but look, we're going to enjoy this football season for as long as we can. Um, hopefully there's some way where they keep the thing going. Um, but by the same token, hopefully they take the health of everybody involved seriously. And if you know it's, it gets to the point where people's lives are being put in jeopardy uh, in a real way, uh, they should shut the thing down. Uh, but look, until they do it, we're going to be here doing our thing, playing fantasy football, um, doing the best we can. So uh, there's actually a lot to cover on the wire today. Uh, and I plan on doing a full DFS slate this week, doing the, the all the usual stuff. Um, you know, and I do have some other plans uh, if the football season goes sideways, other ways we're going to use this podcast, other ways we're going to use the site. Uh, but for now, I'm going to keep all of my oars in the water rowing. Hopefully this fantasy football thing keeps going. Because man, I mean, I know I'm not, I mean, even though my teams are... <laughs> A lot of my teams are just absolutely just epic disasters. Uh, you know, Kittle, McCaffrey, you know the names. Um, I'm sure you guys are having that same experience in some cases. Um, but on my teams that aren't dead, and in DFS when Deontay Johnson isn't in my cash lineup, I, I you know, the season really so far has been a nice diversion. So um, to the extent that we can keep the diversion going, we're going to do that. Uh, and we're going to dig into some of these players. Uh, we'll start with the quarterbacks. Obviously, really... Quarterbacks are the least important position uh, in free agency this year in terms of like making a pickup and, and, and making it, you know, improve your team and so on and so forth. Uh, almost everybody's got a decent quarterback. The waiver wires are really strong. I'm seeing even in 12-team leagues, people are carrying a single quarterback because they know they're going to need the depth. Um, so most waiver wires are strong. Uh, five guys who, well, one, two, three, four guys who look, no, yeah, four guys who look good for me this week. I think Mayfield with his match with the Cowboys, really solid pickup. Uh, Cousins on the road, they look like they're throwing more. They got the Texans, that's good. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, hosting the Falcons, I think, could be really good. Um, Fitzpatrick is getting it done on the ugly side, as always. The schedule isn't great for him, so he's not really... He's sort of a... Well... Just sort of an acknowledgement that he's doing something, but as I mentioned in the thing, I think the cardinal spot, if we have a season um, weeks nine and onward, I think the uh, Dolphins quarterback spot is going to be excellent because they have a great schedule now. Will it be Tua or Fitz? We don't know, um, but in leagues where um, you can stash a bunch of players, stashing the Dolphin QBs um, 
could be something. I mean, you'd have to be in an extremely bad situation to consider it. Uh, okay, that was a waste of a minute. Um, Nick Foles is the other person. Obviously, we just have a QB switch there. Um, and as I say, I think the really important thing to understand with Foles is he's going to make the receivers better. Um, so Allen Robinson's value just went up, in my view. Um, and that's pretty much it for the quarterbacks. This stuff's pretty self-explanatory. I don't want to waste a lot of time on it. Um, if you have a quarterback question, um, please feel free to get to me on Twitter. Oh, and this is something I should have said in the intro. Um, I'm actually suspended from Twitter until tonight, um, basically because I told Eric Trump to put something in his pipe and smoke it. Uh, that got me suspended somehow. Um, probably a bunch of people complained. I'm not even going to get into who those people are or whatever. Uh, but I will be able to answer questions on Twitter tonight. I think uh, I get reinstated around 7 o'clock because I choose to accept my punishment rather than fight it. If I, if I wanted to fight it, I would have been suspended for days, apparently. Um, lovely little system they've got there. Um, anyway, um, the one thing I'm not going to do is apologize for what I said. I think it was, quite frankly, a measured comment. I wanted to say something much worse. Um, anyway, um, not going to get into politics on the podcast, but... Had to, had to mention that. So if you guys are asking me questions throughout the day, probably they don't get answered until around 8 o'clock tonight, just so you know. Um, now, with these running backs, um, it, it, it's not a particularly easy group to decipher in terms of you know, who I really want to go after. I mean, in terms of this week, the answer might be Carlos Hyde. Um, now, we don't know, the problem with him is we're not 100% sure that Carson's going to be out. I, it looks likely that he will be. Perhaps by the time you guys hear this, news is broken that he is. Uh, if, if Carlos Hyde's going to be the starter this week, and if Carson's not there, I think he's the one-week pick-up, start-him-and-play-him kind of guy. Um, if what you need is something that's like a two- to three-week run, then Miles Gaskin might be the answer. Now, he's going to have less upside. He doesn't have a whole lot of touchdown equity. He's got two other backs there that have either equivalent or more talent than he does. So he could lose this gig if Breida just starts to break out. If he Breida starts, you know, I don't know what's going on in practice there. I don't know the reason they're doing what they're doing. Um, and it's and this is nothing against Gaskin, who, you know, I'll take a mini L on him. He's running really well. Um but this is just a weird situation. The Dolphins aren't a particularly good team. So, you know, finding upside in a guy who's going to be sharing and losing the goal line on a bad team or a mediocre team, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to get excited about Miles Gaskin. Um, now, Rex Burkhead on the Patriots has looked great. I think he's a great fit for their scheme. He's available. You can get him. Uh, the problem is James White should come back this week or certainly soon. Um, and when that happens, Burkhead, I don't think he becomes nothing. Uh, at all, but I do think he begins to share that role with White, and my guess is that neither one of them have a whole lot of value. Um, but when only one of the two is playing, the other will have value. So, you know, Burkhead invariably tends to get dinged up. When that happens, White's a play. If White gets dinged up, or if he's out again this week because of the situation with his parents, then Burkhead's a play. So, you know, in leagues where you can afford to grab Burkhead and keep him on the bench, he's a guy who'll have some intermittent appeal. Um, let's go to the next Patriot back, because this is the guy I'm more excited about. Uh, Damian Harris should come back this week or next off of, um, of the, the, the finger surgery. And, you know, <laughs> you know, Camp Report said he was the best back in camp. Now, it's really, you know, I mean, it's the kind of thing where you just wonder what beat writers are thinking in their little heads sometimes. Um, you know, what, what does best person at these, you know, n you know, limited contact practices, like, I don't even understand what that means, best guy in camp. But it, it, it's, 
I mean, maybe it meant something. I don't know. But I remember I thought it was sort of funny when I heard it. And then I thought it was even funnier when so many people started sort of buying into it. Um, but having said that, um, Damian Harris is a guy they, they used a decent pick on. He's a guy who, you know, they claim they like. Um, he is a fundamentally sound player. He came from Saban. Now, this is a guy who kept Josh Jacobs from being a full-time back in the Alabama offense. You know, that's no small feat. Josh Jacobs is, is lighting it up now, okay? And I'll, you know, personally take a slight L on Jacobs, although I had him really high, but um, I wanted to see him um, sort of carry a load and show that he can handle it. Um, now, he has had some injury stuff, but I also think he's shown he can sort of carry a load. Um, but back to Harris, you know, th the reason I think he is the guy to watch First of all, it's clear that Sonny Michel is not what he was. Sonny Michel is not some slogging running back. He's a guy who had some juice. He was a he was a slasher. He made sharp cuts. It's not it's just not there right now. He's an okay back, but he's you know he's just another back right now. Um, Damian Harris, if he's right, he's got light feet. He's a good sized back. He blocks really well, which is important when your quarterback is Cam Newton. Uh, and, you know, he's fundamentally sound. He's strong at the mesh point. Um, I, so I think Damian Harris is a guy, if there's a Patriot running back who can grab 60% of what's going on, I think it's Harris. So I think he's a guy to pick up, particularly if he's available in like a 12 teamer. Now, I was able to IR him in one of my 12 team leagues, but. Um, in another one of my 12-team leagues, he's going to be up there for bidding this week. Um, so, you know, for some people, you might be able to go get this guy, and I think he's a great stash. It might not amount to anything but one more member of the committee, but I think he's a great stash because if he does perform well, um, I mean, who knows? And this is a team that's going to be scoring touchdowns, and eventually they're going to want to start giving some of these TDs to the back. They're not going to want Cam to stick his face in the fan every single time they get to the goal line. I don't think. <laughs> My camp shares wouldn't mind, but I don't think. Um, so we've talked about Burkhead, we talked about Harris, we talked about Gaston and Hyde. Uh, Jeff Wilson is another one where we're going to have to let the week play out. You know, what he did against uh, the Giants was absolutely not shocking at all. He will continue to be a really good fantasy back on a per-touch basis. The question is, will there, be will there be touches? He looks like the two-back right now with McKinnon ahead of him. Now, McKinnon did have a little bit of a rib thing. You know, we'll have to see how that plays out. If you see McKinnon on the injury report... For Wilson's value, that would be a good sign. My guess is that they were just protecting McKinnon. We'll see. There's also the possibility that um, Mostert comes back this week. Now, with his knee injury and this team not desperately needing a win and Mostert being sort of key to their success, I don't think Mostert's going to play this week. If he does, it's a great sign that the, in that the injury itself was really minor. Um but my guess is that Mostert won't play this week, and that should give Wilson some value. I think it's pretty clear he's ahead of uh, Jamichael Hasty, although Hasty looked real good too. Um, let's face it, the Niners know a little bit about running backs. They know who can run in their scheme. Next guy up is almost always going to be pretty good. That's just the way it goes. It's not so much the backs. They're solid backs. None of these guys are world beaters. It's a phenomenal running scheme. We've known this for a long time. Um, Next guy on the list is Alexander Madison. I, now, he wasn't going to be on here. I mean, he's all, obviously, I've told you guys a million times. I don't need to tell you anymore. He's the handcuffer cook. You roster him if you've got space. It's an easy call. Um, he was a guy who was drafted for his standalone value in, in some, like, 12-team leagues. So he may or may not be available. But if you can get Madison, 
um, as as I was watching the replay of the Vikings game, you can you can see this. I think there, when he actually got pushed out of bound, there was like three minutes and fifty nine seconds on the clock, so it should be an easy play to find. But he basically just takes a run. I think he he, he sort of shifts inside of the uh, left tackle and takes it outside. Um, and as he's going out of bounds, you can see he he steps wrong or steps on someone's foot. You can't really tell, but he comes up jumping on one leg. So it's just it, you know. They didn't really say a whole lot about it. The game was basically over at that point. So, you know, it, it, we're just going to have to sort of watch practice reports. Maybe we find out later today that he's limited in practice or misses today's practice. We'll have to see. Um, but to me, if I own Dalvin Cook, I'm absolutely getting Madison if I can. And if he's if he's on someone else's roster, I think right now, before this news breaks, go see if you can get him in a cheap little trade. Um, and again, when I say before news breaks, it's very possible that he just came, maybe his tape job slipped or something like that. There are, you know, maybe, maybe got a rock in his shoe. I don't know. But if you go watch what I'm talking about, you'll absolutely see what I'm talking about. And to me, anytime I see a running back hopping up on one leg like that, I'm worried about practice next week. So um, just know that that did happen. And if there's a way to get Madison tonight or on the cheap via a quick trade, and you're a Cook team, I think it's a good move. Okay, Brian Hill got more juice for the Falcons. Um, you know, clearly he's he's the next guy up there for the early down running gig. Gurley has been eh. So to me, if I have Gurley, I'm getting Brian Hill. Uh, if I am in a league where I want to, you know, sort of build up some running back depth and I've got, you know, some bench space to play with, I'll roster Hill and stash him. Um, next up is Frank Gore. Um, you know, who is Frank Gore? Same Frank Gore we saw for the last couple of years. He'll grind out some yards. He's not going to catch a lot of passes. Um, and as I sort of say in the waiver wire, you know, I think this is sort of, you know, it's just the Jets being the Jets. I mean, only a stupid team like the Jets would use a washed up player in a rebuild. Um, that's not, I mean, that, you know what, I'm, I'm disrespecting Gore. It's not really fair. Gore's not the problem here. He's just doing what he does. Um, it's the Jets that decided to make him a big part of their offense when they're trying to develop talent. Um, and it really underscores the disconnect between Adam Gase and the organization. Uh, as I said on the radio on Sunday, Adam Gase is there right now just to take the abuse. That's his function. He's not there to make the organization any better. He's not there to help these players get better. He's not there to move the program forward. He's just there to suck and to take the abuse. That's why he's there. So, hey, J-E-T-S, Jet, Jet, Jets. Um, next up is Anthony McFarland, who got some juice at the end of the game. Um, you know, I think we were just giving him a little run. It would make it would make no sense to have this guy ahead of Benny Snell. Um, maybe someday. I, you know, I think, as I mentioned, you know, McFarland was one of my guys I was into before the combine. And then he ran well, and everybody jumped on the McFarland bandwagon after the combine and fell in love to him to an extent that I thought was irrational. So he went from being one of my guys to being a guy who I felt was a bit overrated uh, by the general dynasty uh, population, if you will. But having said that, he's still a guy with a lot of juice. He's got speed. He's He runs with a little bit of heart. I actually love the way he runs. I compared him to Dalvin Cook, uh, but he's not as structurally sound as uh, Dalvin Cook is. Um, so, you know, McFarland's a guy, he's a stash. I mean, you know, um, you know, what scenario does he hit in this year? It's hard to even say. I think he'd need multiple injuries. But the Steelers block it well. They're a really good team. Whoever their running back is is going to be worth a lot in a deep league. Uh, McFarland should be owned. And for what it's worth, he got cut in a 12-team league that I'm in last week that has deep benches. So I'll be making 
perhaps a little run on him tonight. Uh, Chris Thompson for the Jags is available in a lot of leagues. He is like 30% of that backfield. If you are in a big PPR league, he can probably help you as an emergency player. Um, let me see. Anybody else you want to get into here? Uh, you know, I think keep an eye on Bryce Love. Um, I think at some point he's going to get a shot on this team. He really should. Um, you know, why J.D. McKissick is playing ahead of Bryce Love, I mean, gosh, I'll never know. But um, he's a guy I definitely think you want to look at um, for a stash. Again, deeper leagues. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned Gore. But I think LaMichael P. If, you're, if I was going to roster a Jet running back right now, I think it would be LaMichael P. run. Because if Adam Gase, you know, has an epic, embarrassing outing on Thursday night, which is... Let's face it; it's 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 more than than possible. It's darn right probable. Um, he could get canned, and if Gase gets canned, I think the mission will become clear for the Jets from top to bottom, and you will see the youth on the field. So, to me, I'm stashing Pirine in hopes that the Jets actually turn the effing page, and just you know, as my friend likes to say, just makes sense. The Jets just makes sense anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having some fun with the Jets, but seriously, you know, I, I honestly think that um, P. Ryan is a guy where if they gave him what they should give him, he could be worth a little something. So I think I, I wouldn't mind stashing him in a deep 12 or 14 team league. Um, all right, let's get down to the receivers. This is actually a lot more fun. Now, the obvious pickup, unless you live in a cave, is Justin Jefferson. Um, now, you can go back and, you know, check out my rookie stuff on Jefferson. Go listen to the podcasts and so forth. Um, but he is a really, really good receiver. I am a huge fan of Justin Jefferson. I considered making him my wide receiver one. It was the night before we decided to do our rankings. I was talking to Coach. I'm like, Coach, what, what would you think if I just put Jefferson at the top? He'd be like, I'm not going to fight you. Um, you know, it, we basically, you know, ended up having a multi-man tie for the top. Everybody loves C.D. Lamb. Everybody, you know, loves Judy. Um, and everybody's excited about Rieger. But I'm telling you, folks, Justin Jefferson is the real freaking deal. He's better than Adam Thielen. He's a better football player than Adam Thielen is. I know that's sort of blasphemous. I'm not saying he's better than Thielen right now, but he's going to have a much better career, in my opinion, than Adam Thielen if he stays healthy. Justin Jefferson's going to be a stud. This guy catches the football beautifully. He runs tight routes. He's good after the catch. Only injury is going to slow this guy down. And of course, maybe the Vikings. The Vikings love to fuck with talented players. Um, but Justin Jefferson's easily the guy to pick up. Um, no matter, you know, if he's available, even if you need a running back, you should probably pick up Justin Jefferson because if he does this again, you'll be able to trade him for a freaking running back. Um, now look, is there, a, you know, any potential here that this was just sort of a, a smash game that's not going to be repeated? Well, yeah, that's almost definitely the case. The guy put up like 30 points. I'm not saying <laughs> expect this every week from Jefferson. I know you guys know that. Um, but by the same token, it wasn't a fluke either, okay? This is a legitimately good player who runs really good routes. I think he and Thielen are going to share the slot. In my opinion, this is now a two-receiver game. You know, and I, you know, why were the Vikings playing around with Ola B.C. Johnson? I have no idea. I mean, maybe Jefferson had a big head after being the top pick. I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm not going to sit here and play nickel psychologist, but, you know, in, unless there's a really good reason, 
I have no idea what that Olabisi Johnson charade was about. Jefferson should have been playing 80% snaps and should have been getting five plus targets from the drop. But they waited till week three. Okay. Um, Bottom line is, I think going forward, he is going to play 90% of the snaps, or 80-90% of the snaps, and he's going to get a meaningful target load every single game, and there's not going to be anybody ahead of him on the pecking order other than Thielen. Um, and, you know, for all we know, if he keeps if he keeps playing like this, he'll be ahead of Thielen at some point. So, Justin Jefferson, because he's just a damn good football player, because he looks like he's now going to be starting for the rest of the season... And he's he's he just has to be the pickup. So go get Justin Jefferson. And I mean, I'm not, you know depending on how your league works, you know sell out to the extent that makes sense. Like I would definitely sell out to get him. Now if you're in a league where every single week the waiver wire is going to be crucial for the rest of the season, you know don't go emptying your clip. But if you're in a league where the waiver wire most weeks there's not anything that's really good there, and you like your roster. This is a chance to get one more really good player. I mean, I play in leagues where if Jefferson was available, no, he's not. Like, I don't play in any 12-team leagues where this guy's available. But if I did, I would probably drop the rest of my money on him for what it's worth. Um, Now, the next guys we're going to talk about are not huge steps down, okay? But from a situational standpoint, I don't... You know, they're probably not as good. Not to mention, I think they both have more injury risk. But LaVisca Chenault. He's still available in a lot of leagues. Um, and uh, granted, he didn't really pay off last week. But, you know, look, Minshew had a bad game. The defense was actually able to concentrate on Chanel. Like, if you noticed, like, he caught balls with people all around him. Um, he still had a, you know, a decent game. He didn't, you know, he didn't zero out or anything. Um, but I think when Shark is back on the field, and that's where the safety help is, I think they can get back to what the original plan was, which is to use LaVisca on the weak side of the field a lot. Um... We'll see how that all shakes out. But this guy's a playmaker. There's no league I play in where I'm going to let him be available. Let's just put it that way. And the next guy up is really close. And, and to tell you the truth, he's a similar kind of player. Brandon Ayuk, 49ers. Now, the, the difference here, and you could argue, and, and you know, feel free to do this, take Ayuk over Chenault. I can see the rationale. Um, it's just that Ayuk has a recent injury, and the, he's a guy who's going to be set up for yak time and time again. So, you know... I sort of want to see this guy stay healthy for a couple weeks before I get too excited about him. But, you know, as I mentioned last week, yeah, he played against the Jets, didn't do a whole lot, but the snaps were up, and I thought he was running well. Now, this week, against the Giants, he looked really good. You know, he took like a... He, I mean, he, he made plays from a whole bunch of different places in the formation. So, to me, you know, when Debo Samuel comes back, if he comes back, which should be soon, and by the way, Debo is also an excellent stash if you can do it in any league. Um, but even when Debo comes back, and let's say Debo's playing well, it's not going to mean that that, that um, Ayuk is a non-factor. First of all, Ayuk was a higher pick than than Samuel, um, and he's not coming off. I mean, Samuel's coming off a significant injury. All right, Ayuk had a hammy. Um, now. We don't know what Samuel's going to be. We don't know if he's going to be in and out of the lineup. We don't know if he's going to be battling soreness. But even if he's what he was when he was clicking last year, there's room for another receiver on this team, particularly one who fits the scheme so well. So to me, Ayuk is really, in 12-team leaps, he's a must-add to me. Uh, and I would be picking him up in 10-teamers as well. Um, and here's the next guy. Not a big drop-off potentially here. T. Higgins. 
I am a huge fan of T. Higgins as a football player. I think he's underrated. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, this is a guy who's going slipping into the second round of dynasty drafts. I don't know if you remember me saying it at the time, but you know, like it was just you know like utter lunacy that people were taking Keyshawn Vaughn ahead of guys like T. Higgins. It was just so not good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, T. Higgins is a legit baller. He's going to be in the NFL for a long time as long as he doesn't get befallen by injuries. He's on a team with a good young quarterback. A.J. Green may be sliding off into the sunset. We don't know. Uh, I'm not willing to bury Green just yet, but the bottom line is this is an offense that will feature three receivers. It doesn't shock me that Higgins is ahead of John Ross, who's had some issues uh, as a Bengal. John Ross needs to get on another team that can use his speed and teach him how to play the game better. Ross, I still think, has a pretty good future in the NFL, to be honest, but I don't think it's with the Bengals. Um, so T. Higgins looks like he's moved into that role, and this is a guy who, A, can catch touchdowns, B, who can use his size, and is going to be matched up in a lot of the time against smaller corners because A.J. Green is going to draw big corners. Um you know, Higgins is a guy. I mean, this is not a fluky thing at all that he caught a couple touchdowns. So um, I think he might really be the pickup this week in that he's available in most leagues. So this might be the guy to focus on for you if everybody else I've mentioned so far is taken. Uh, and I would lean in a little bit and make sure you get him. I really would. I mean, I wouldn't throw the rest of my year's budget at him in a 10-teamer, um, but I'd throw, you know, 5%, 10%, whatever you consider a big bid, I'd throw it. Um He's just a good football player. I mean, you know, he's a legitimately good NFL-ready receiver. Um, Golden Tate, Giants. Um, first of all, he's locked in as one of their top three receivers on a team that isn't going to be targeting the running backs as much now. So Tate has some flex appeal in larger leagues no matter what. But with Sterling Shepard out a couple more weeks, maybe a little more than that, um, Golden Tate's going to be, you know, as I say in the article, he's going to be in that third receiver discussion for the next three weeks. So definitely a guy you can pick up and play in any league. Uh, Corey Davis, obviously we've got a COVID situation here now. So who knows what's that, what that's about. And I'm just going to get out in front of this. Folks, I'll deal with the easy COVID stuff on this, but this is not going to get turned into like a two-hour podcast that's about COVID and COVID rumors. I'm not going down that rabbit hole, um, just so you know. Um but uh, Corey Davis, you know, to the extent that A.J. Brown's not playing and Davis is, he's a good start. Uh, Alan Lazard for the Packers. Um, this is sort of a good story for me because Lazard's a guy we targeted on this waiver wire last year saying, wow, this guy can play. Um, and last year they were desperate for places to throw the football. This year it's not quite as bad, obviously, but Lazard really showed up the other night when, when Adams wasn't there. And we knew they couldn't go to MVS as that guy, right? He's just too undependable. He's a huge play guy. He's a great guy to target downfield and to look for the big play with. But he can't be the guy you're targeting on third and seven. It's just not, it doesn't work. Um, with Lazard, it does. And he looked good. And it, clearly he is the next trusted option after Adams. So, you know, in 12-team leagues, I think Alan Lazard's got to be rostered. Um, and he can, you know, if Adams is out this week, you can grab him and play him in 10-teamers as well. Uh, Hunter Renfro, at this point, is just like the last guy standing who we know has a pulse. So, you know, for this week, for sure, in PPR of all size, you can grab and play Hunter Renfro. Um, 
and to the extent that these other guys stay out, Ruggs is going to be a couple weeks, and I think I think Brian Edwards is probably going to be a week or two as well. That means either Aguilar, probably Aguilar, but also maybe even Zay Jones could have some value. You know, so you can keep an eye on them in deeper leagues. But really, in any PPR format, Renfro is the guy to look at right now. Um, another guy who could be a good stash. I mean, the Eagles are just losing players left and right. Alshon Jeffrey at some point could be back. Um, he's been practicing, so I think if he hasn't been stashed in your league. I mean, I wasn't really thinking of, him, thinking of him as a guy I wanted to stash, but now with Djax can't get out of his own way. I mean, he can't get out of the car without getting hurt. Um, Rieger's out, so uh, they need help on the outside. So, you know, based on what's happened and Jeffrey practicing, he's definitely a guy to grab, stash, see what happens. Uh, Randall Cobb is a guy you can pick up and play. Um, uh, he's got the, the the Viking secondary this week. He looked good last week. We've talked about Cobb. This is a good fit for him because you're talking about a quarterback who extends plays and a receiver who's really good once the quarterback starts moving. He's really good at coming back and presenting himself to the quarterback. We saw him do it with Rodgers like a million times. So Cobb is a better fit for the Texans. I wouldn't get too hung up on the early bad results. I think what we saw last week is more indicative of what we're going to see on most weeks. Obviously, you're always happy when you get a score. I'm not saying he's going to score every week. Um, Andy Isabella, you know what? Let's, let's see what happens with Kirk this week. If Kirk's out, Isabella's a guy you can start in 12 team leagues. But I think he's still a guy to stash either way because his speed with this team that's doing so much horizontally, if they can add the Isabella vertical element, it's going to work because teams aren't going to be able to cope with his speed and do all the other things they're trying to do. So Isabella, to me, is a guy they need to get going on some level. Um, and maybe he just fought his way to that 50% snap mark. So I think he's a guy to stash and watch. If you stash him and then Kirk is ruled out again this week, which I I don't think it's going to happen, but if it did, then Isabella could even be a play. Uh, Zach Pascal on the Colts. We've got Pittman now going to be out for an extended time. Campbell obviously out for an extended period. That's going to that means Pascal's going to be sort of a, a flex level play in twelve team leagues on most on most weeks. Uh, Greg Ward for the for the Eagles. You know we know all about Ward. He's nothing special. But he's not a he's not a bum either. Um, he is now pretty well versed in that offense. Clearly, Wentz trusts him. So for this week. At least he's a guy you can use as a flex just about in any league. Um, Scotty Miller on the Bucks will make sure he's healthy going into the weekend, but with Godwin out, Miller will now be in the slot and outside. He's a guy you can play in 12 team leagues. Uh, Gabriel Davis on the Bills, a guy I really liked his college film. Um, he didn't have a whole lot of juice going into the draft, but you know, the Bills took him, and I really like this kid. The, the thing I always liked about his film was the way he fought for the ball in traffic. He just sort of snatches the ball away from weaker defenders. He's sort of a bully, um, but he's a good football player, and I think he's going to be around for a while. And if John Brown's going to be out, and you're in a 14-team league, I think Davis is a start. I think he's a third receiver or is a flex. Um, similarly, Chase Claypool and the Steelers, another guy that I really liked before the Combine, if you listen to my pre-Combine stuff. Um, Chase Claypool... If Deontay Johnson's out, I think Claypool's running ahead of Washington right now. He could be used as a flex or a third receiver this week if Deontay is out with that concussion thing. Uh, K.J. Hamler, not sure what his role will be this week. The health of the other receivers could come into play. But he's going to play enough where he's playing the Jets, who are just, you know, just, it's just so bad. Um, he could easily score a touchdown or two against the Jets. So if you're in a desperate situation as the week sort of rolls on, I think KJ Hamler uh, could be a pickup. So there may be a few other guys that I add to the receiver uh, group uh, in the final wire. We'll have to see about that. 
Um, but I need to move on here because we're running out of time. I just saw a thing uh, sweep across my screen. Looks like Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Vikings, Texans uh, could be canceled this week. Almost sounds like it's a probability. I Just off the top of my head, thinking about my teams, I don't even know how I'm going to be fielding teams this week with that news. Um, <laughs> and this, I mean, will this ultimately become their bye week? I mean, who knows? Um, so that's where we're at, folks. Um, uh, moving over to the tight ends. Um, I'm running out of time here, but uh, so far no hammering. So we'll see if we can get this in. I got about seven guys I want to hit here. Uh, Robert Tanyan with the Packers. Now look, Tanyan's a guy we've we've all sort of been interested in for a while. Um, he's made big plays here and there. Um, he's a strong kid, and the Packers clearly have decided that um, he's well ahead of uh, you know the overhyped Jay Sternberger. Now, Sternberger is ironic. He was a guy who we liked his college film. We thought he was a nice long-term project, but then somewhere along the line, people came up with this idea that he was going to like be like a right-away guy in the NFL. Um, which we never really thought. Uh, I never did, at least. And, um, you know, it, it's worked out like that. It would not shock me at some point if Jay Sternberger turns into a pretty good NFL tight end um, and perhaps even an offense first one, but he wasn't one of these guys who's going to, you know, bend the tight end curve. You have to be exceptional as a tight end to bend the curve. You really do. You have to be an exceptional talent to do it. Um, and, you know, he's a guy we like but not an exceptional talent. So it doesn't blow my mind that Tiny's ahead of him. And I guess the point of me maybe patting myself on the back there just a little bit is that I don't think Sternberger's going to like come out of nowhere week five and take this job. Could happen, but I doubt it. Um, so Tanyan's a guy you can probably pick up and play the rest of the year. His involvement will be a little bit intermittent, but I think he's going to be, you know, right there on the fringe of playability in 12 and 14 team leagues. So uh, I think if you're hurting at tight end for now, Tanyan's a good ad. Uh, probably not as good an ad as Mo Ali Cox, who seems to be on the verge of just taking that thing. You know, it might not matter in the end how healthy these other tight ends are. You know, I mean, you know, Doyle's a guy who can function and Trey Burton's a guy who can do some things, but it, it sure looks like Mo Ali Cox has taken that thing. Um, kudos to the people who've already added him. I think he's a get him while you can kind of guy, so he'd probably be my priority add at the position. Jimmy Graham, I mean, he's completely washed, but they're throwing him the ball a ton. Um, I, I, I think he's vulnerable to the rookie tight end taking his gig at some point, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. So if you're getting smoked at the position, you can put Jimmy Graham in there and get some ugly stats. It'll probably work. Um, he's not going to blow you away, I don't think. But he's already found the zone a bunch of times, so who the hell knows. Uh, Chris Herndon on the Jets. I sort of go off uh, in the write-up on the Jets. Sort of a nickel conspiracy. But in, in all honesty, it really does strike me that what's going on with the Jets is the Jets telling Gase he needs to play Herndon because they want to develop Herndon's offensive abilities and him saying, okay, you want Herndon to play tight end? Well, I want my tight end to block. You know, I mean, the way the Jets are using their tight end so far, you know, <laughs> Ryan Griffin's the guy who should be on the field. He's a better blocker. He's a pure tight end. But, you know, the Jets are having Herndon out there blocking. He's not all that good at it. And he's not giving us the offensive output that we would want. Um, so, you know, just the Jets, as usual, finding a way to screw up the situation completely. You know, play the guy who fits what you're going to do. Uh, and, if you're, and if your coach is such, a, uh, such an idiot that he wants to play the wrong guys, maybe get a new coach. But Herndon is sort of stuck there right now. Um, I'm sure at some point they're going to start using him better. Um, if it, you know, probably after they can Gase, which could happen as soon as this week, in my opinion. Uh, but 
Herndon, you know, right now isn't doing what we hoped he would do. I do think he's still a guy who should be rostered in 12-team leagues. Uh, Dalton Schultz, probably a guy to take ahead of Herndon. Um, again, I'm not really going through this part in a, a particular order. Um, now, Schultz also is going to be hit and miss. There's going to be weeks where he probably doesn't get a target. But when they're in these shootout games, which is happening so much, maybe this is just going to be the way they play. If every game is one of these shootout games, then Dalton Schultz is going to be a fringe starter at the position. So, um Definitely a guy you can pick up right now. Um, you know, keep playing him until some something changes. He, you know, as I say, he's a little stiff, he's a little mechanical, but you know, he's also a pretty, you know, big, strong guy with some speed, and he does catch the football. So, um, you know, he is what he is. I, I don't have any problem with people, um, especially in bigger leagues, um, you know, rostering Schultz and playing him. Uh, Eric Ebron has been getting just enough use to be viable. Last week, Deontay gets knocked out of the game. All of a sudden, he's getting more targets, scores a touchdown. Um, certainly for this week, if Deontay's going to be out, I think Ebron's worthy of a play. Um, will he continue to gain steam? Maybe. I definitely think he needs to be rostered in 12-team leagues and above. And if you're hurting in a deep 10, team league with deep benches he's worth rostering uh, last last guy we'll talk about is logan thomas and there's a narrative going around that haskins is killing logan thomas i don't think that's actually the case in fact i think haskins is the thing keeping him alive on some level and what i mean by that is he's just targeting him a lot um look logan thomas is a guy who can float out and get open like any tight end but after he catches it he generally goes down to the first tackler and he generally doesn't move very far um this is a guy where people are looking at people look at logan thomas as a size speed guy um but as i mentioned i think that's probably the best 40 time he ever ran in 2014 at the combine i don't think it's particularly reflective of his speed um but he's also a guy who doesn't get out of first gear and into second gear very well so in a in in a sprint where he can get his strides going long keep him long he can give you a time that would not show up on a football field he's that kind of runner you know he can be a long strider, but when he plays, watch him. He doesn't. He's not a long strider when he's getting out of breaks and stuff like that. So, to me, Thomas is what he is. He's the guy from Buffalo all over again. Yes, he can play tight end. Yes, he's worked himself into a professional tight end, and he can he can block. And I'm not saying this guy's a dog, but what you're seeing is what you should expect from him in terms of what happens when he catches a pass. He's going to go down to first contact most of the time. It's just, that's the kind of guy he is. Um, so, you know, to me, he's a guy in PPR. He's going to have some value because he's going to catch some passes. Maybe he starts ripping down some touchdowns. Certainly touchdowns could happen because he can float into the end zone and catch it. Um, but I, I think the, the, where the problem is coming with Thomas is I think a lot of people still see him as this great athlete who needs to play another position. I think the great athlete part is a little bit oversold, particularly now that he spent five plus years bulking up, changing his body to be a tight end. I don't think he's the same athlete he used to be. Um, and I think he was overrated within that context back at the, in the day. Um, so that's about it for tight ends. The, the podcast did go 10 minutes long. Luckily, I got away with it. Um, I will be tightening these things up, putting them into the best ranking I can um, in the final waiver article on Rotobon. And... Um, but, you know, as always, horses for courses. A lot of these guys are going to be worth more 
for some teams than others, depending on, do I need a one-week guy? Do I need a two-week guy? Do I need rest of season? Do I need a guy because I'm worried about redundancy? Is it a backup option that I need? Depending on your particular station, some of these guys are going to have more appeal to you than others, and that's okay. Play your course. Don't don't go listening to some guy who's trying to play a million courses at once. Play the course you're on, okay? Anyway, I will be relieved of my Twitter suspension at some point later today, probably around 8 o'clock. So for anybody who does have questions, um, feel free uh, to uh, to shoot them to me. And I'll try to get back to you. And, you know, if anybody wants to get a little free Rotobond thing going on Twitter... <laughs> I'd appreciate it, but I know none of you will. Anyway, um, onward, upward. I will be back with rankings this week. They'll start going up early. Um, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, um, this thing ends up being a blip uh, and not a big deal. But uh, cross your fingers, hold your breath, spin around, count to three, do whatever you do. Anyway, guys, good luck tonight. Uh, and gals, whoever's listening, uh, good luck with those bids tonight. And uh, we'll see you soon.